So for today's podcast, we have a special guest who has done Christina Ortiz. Uh, we have twice a month a Lunch and Learn where we bring guests and we give all the information for all our agents so we can learn from each other. So today we have um, Christina Ortiz and she's teaching us about Pickpack. This is the Time Is Now podcast, presented by IRG. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm Christina Ortiz. I'm a real estate attorney here based in South Florida. Um, I was here about a year ago. I see some familiar faces, but I wanted to first congratulate everybody who completed the race this weekend. <laughs> Sorry I couldn't be part of it, but um, definitely next year. Uh, secondly, thank you to Sanjeev and to Gio for inviting me, and I love doing this because I think it's important to be a tool and a resource um, for all of our clients. Um, that's basically the point of being a professional. We're not just looking for a one-time kill transaction where we kill what we eat. We're looking to cultivate relationships so that the clients keep coming back, right? So, you know, the more we know, the more we learn that we can share with our clients, I think the better. I personally have learned through mistakes that I've made myself. Um, so what I was asked to talk about today, funny enough, um, one of the topics is FERPTA. It's a foreign withholding tax um, that has to do with foreign sellers. So do, I mean, how many hands uh, show me are working with foreign buyers and sellers? Everybody. Everybody, yeah, exactly. We're in South Florida, we're in Miami, and what I have found in the last, you know, 12, 13 years that I've been doing this is that no matter what is happening in the worldwide, econ worldwide economy, there's always someone from outside the U.S. who is still coming here, who is so in still interested in investing, buying in South Florida. So even if we're talking about businesses, eventually they're creating roots here. They're going to want a home. They're going to want a condo. Perhaps they have family members attending a university here. So it's always good to keep those connections. So my style is open communication. I love uh, active questions, comments, experiences, because like I said in the beginning, I think that's how um, I have learned the best is through uh, my own experiences and mistakes. So I'll start off with that. So my first FIFTA transaction was many, many years ago. I got a contract, uh, as I usually do, it's already been executed. I moved forward with the transaction. It wasn't until a week before closing that I realized that the seller on the contract not only didn't live here, wasn't a citizen, wasn't a resident, was in the Dominican Republic. Um, and my underwriter was the one who said, oh, uh, send me over the IDs, the passports. I called my seller client. He doesn't have any of that. And my underwriter says, okay, well, well what about FERPTA? You're doing the Form 8288, right? And I said, what, what is that? So that was a really big problem because guess what? He wasn't making any money on the property. He wasn't making any money on the sale. And why is this an issue? Well, FERPTA, it, um, is a, it is not a payment, but it is a prepayment slash withholding. And it is based on the total contract price, not on the profit, not on the gains, on the total contract price. So if you're selling the property for $400,000, you are going to get taxed, or you're going to be withheld from your proceeds as a baseline 15% of $400,000. So imagine someone that had a mortgage, an equity line to pay off, has the realtors to pay off, doesn't have any money to do the withholding. He had to come to his own closing of his sale, right, with money. So imagine how upset he was, okay? Um, so why, how did I learn? Number one, I don't rely on the contract because I got the contract and thought, okay, it's great, it's perfect, let's move forward. Um, the realtors hadn't added the FERPTA um, language, the FERPTA addendum. So 
Are you all familiar with the FERPTA riders and FERPTA addendums to the Florida as-is contract? It's, it's um, some contracts, depending on the year that it came out, is already built into the contract, or it's a rider that you could add on. And basically, it states that, you know, in Florida, in the U.S., if you're a foreign seller and the buyer is not going to be using the property or the residence that they're purchasing as their primary residence or something that they are going to be using for 50% of the year, as the, for their primary use, um, then it will be subject to FERPTA. The baseline is 15% withholding. Now, there are ways to reduce this amount. For example, if the buyer signs an affidavit at closing stating that it's going to be their primary residence or a second home, you can reduce that amount. If it's under a million, you could reduce that amount, okay? So that's a way to reduce it. Now, there are exemptions. How are you exempt? You're exempt if the property and this is important to know because you're getting a listing or you're working with a buyer and the property is over 300000 you know, have a trigger in your head that says, okay, it's over 300000 is my seller a foreigner, are they a resident, or, you know, you've got to already have those factors um, in your brain to, to know what to trigger, the type of questions to trigger, okay? So how are you completely exempt from FERPTA withholding, okay, if you're the seller? If the property is under 300000 and the buyer is going to be using the property as their primary residence. And it's not either one or the other, it's both. So those two have to be in place to be completely exempt. You didn't have to think about FERPTA. You didn't have to bring it up, okay? And actually here that might be quite common. You know, condos right now can be going under 300,000 um, and it's gonna be used as their primary residence. We don't have to worry about that, okay? Now, this is an IRS tax withholding. Okay, this isn't uh, an immigration situation. This isn't a Florida tax situation or a reporting fee situation. This is an IRS code requirement, okay? You as the realtor are liable if it's not withheld. Me as the settlement agent, dispersing agent, um, is liable for penalties and for the withholding amount if it's not withheld. And guess who's gonna be liable? The buyer, because on the face of the IRS code, the language says buyer is responsible for, you know, 15%, 10% of the purchase price. So why is this? Because what was happening is that foreign sellers, um, you know, people who don't live here were selling properties, making their capital gains and heading off with the proceeds to their country and not paying taxes. And, you know, our country, the IRS loves taxes and they're gonna get you wherever they can. So they didn't want people running off and they had no way to, to grab at that, okay? So they said, well, if the seller went off with it, we're going to go back to the buyer. So you already know that if you don't withhold it, the buyer's going to be pretty upset. Um, or to the dispersing agent, which in my case would be me, because I'm the one who disperses uh, payments, payoffs, et cetera. Okay? And then when they come back, the IRS, they do hit you with, uh, with penalties. Okay? So the biggest tip, and, and what's good is that none of us in this room are required to know the IRS code. Um, I think that would be very complicated. So what I have shared with people in the real estate industry who are not tax professionals, okay, is when we're working with a client, whether they are uh, a seller or a buyer, because why is it important to disclose that to the buyer? You, you should know the purpose of what your buyer is going to be using this property for. If they're going to live in it for several years, maybe FERPTA isn't an issue for them. But if they're looking to sell in two, three years, we should tell them, okay, hey, you're not a, a resident, you're not a citizen, if you wanna sell in the future, know that there's gonna be a withholding. 
Now, people call this the FERPTA payment. It is not a payment, it is a withholding. It's still inconvenient though, right? If you're a seller, you want some proceeds back, it still is inconvenient to have it withheld for six months, a year, maybe longer, okay? So what do we do? Well, let's start with this. The seller, let's, let's start on the seller side. For IRS purposes, and FERPTA is an IRS, uh, I guess, idea, right? For the IRS does not care <laughs> what your legal um, status is, okay, which is pretty ironic, but they just care about you paying taxes. They don't care if you cross the border illegally. <laughs> they don't care about any of that. So you could be here illegally and file your taxes, and you won't be um, subject to FERPTA. So that's a caveat there that I think is very important because what happens to people is that they'll say, well, I'm not a resident, I'm not a citizen. Well, if you've been filing your tax returns, whether you're an individual or an entity, a, a business entity, an LLC, a corporation, um, you are considered to be a domestic person under the IRS and you will be able to be subject to either an exemption of FERPTA or a reduction of FERPTA. So I think that's very important to know um, because we have all sorts of people here who are pending citizenship, pending papers, and they might be scared to sell a property because they think, well, if I sell a property, I'm not, you know, I, I'm here, uh, how do I say, I don't want to use the word illegally, but like, <laughs> no status, that, you know, it could be intimidating, but it's, if you are here paying taxes, if your company is paying taxes, you are considered um, under the IRS uh, a domestic uh, person or entity, okay? So, has that provided some, I guess, tips or triggers that when you're working with your clients, right? So we already discussed that under 300,000 and the buyer is willing to sign an affidavit at closing saying that they're gonna live in it, completely exempt, we don't even have to deal with FERPTA. Okay, secondly is that the seller does not have to be, or does not have to have legal status, official legal status. If they, if they filed their tax returns the prior year, um, that's also another way to save them or avoid FERPTA. Another possibility, which is, of course, the, the, the one that happens most of the time, is after we have an executed contract, we're about 30 days, 20 days from closing, it's, oh, the seller is subject to FERPTA, and everyone is hysterical and goes nuts, and oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? Well, the good news is that there's still time. Yes, it's a little rush, but what they will have to do is if they don't already have a tax ID, um, you heard of ITIN, okay. Everyone needs one of those if they're selling because that is what the first step in being able to complete the tax form 8288 that is going to either exempt you from FERPTA or reduce your withholding, okay? So the best way to avoid these surprises, and we all know that in real estate transactions, you're gonna get hit with a bunch of surprises. So if we already know that FERPTA is a possibility, even in the listing, uh, in the portion of where you're negotiating the listing agreement, you don't even have an executed uh, contract yet, you don't have a buyer, ask them, do you have an ITIN, okay? Even if, they're, you know how this is, you ask them, oh, are you domestic? They're gonna say yes. They, ha they might ha not have any idea what the heck that means. So always ask, okay, do you have a social? If they don't have a social, do you have an ITIN? Do you have any other tax ID? Because maybe they have an LLC or a company that's been filing taxes. That tax ID is the first step in um, creating the exemption or the reduction. Understood? Okay. I get a lot of questions with, well, I created an LLC um, in Florida, therefore I'm domestic. Well, that is not the case. An LLC is just a pass-through company, and an LLC is judged on the individual or sole members of the LLC. If the sole member has not filed a tax return and the LLC has not filed a tax return, then they are a foreign 
uh, entity under the IRS. So that entity and that corporation will be subject to, to FERPTA. So the best advice I can give when dealing with a foreign seller and even with a foreign buyer, right? Because like I said, you want to ask the purpose of the purchase when you are working with a buyer. Um, you ask, do you have uh, a tax ID? Because that takes about four months to get a tax ID, right okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it takes about four months. Um, another issue is, you know, have a CPA that is experienced in FERPTA. Um, CPAs are like attorneys, you know? I'm not a specialist in probate. I'm not a specialist in, you know, um, family law. There are CPAs who, my CPA, my bookkeeper, does not deal with FERPTA or 1031 exchanges. That is a different caliber of CPA. I know that um, Sanjeev and Geo have a, um, someone that, that they use here. Um, so when it has to do with FERPTA, when it has to do with people not from this country or people who are not um, based in this country, buyer or seller, know that you already have to be wondering about tax ID and do they have a qualified CPA which you guys are lucky you guys have someone here really uh, associated with uh, with your office that is your go-to person. In fact, I think it'd be great to have him come and we could do yeah, um, some real life scenarios well, because there are so many, you know, I'm giving you the generalizations because thank God no, nobody in this room is required to know the IRS tax code. That's not the, 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 I think the cortex in your brain, I hate numbers and tax and all that stuff. So as long as we know when we're working with our clients to ask the right questions, and based on those responses, who to direct them to, we're fine, we're okay. You're not getting in trouble, you're not getting your brokers in trouble, or me in trouble, and we could all you know, steer our clients um, the right way. Um, so again, tax ID, and get them to uh, a qualified CPA. This segues me, any questions about FERPTA? Yes, even, so the corporate structure doesn't, doesn't need the, the seller of the not necessarily, not necessarily. And is, is there any kind of structure that could do that? Mm -hmm. Yes, and I'm going to be talking about that now because not only does it help with FERPTA, but it helps with uh, the U.S. estate tax. So an LLC is a limited liability company. It's one of the easiest and cheapest um, entities to create. Anybody could go on SunBiz right now and create an LLC and get a tax ID, and that's it. But that doesn't work to avoid estate tax or FERPTA. So FERPTA is the first one we talked about. That is an IRS withholding on a non-domestic entity or person. The tax that I'm talking about is called the, the US estate tax. That is basically a gains tax that a foreign person or foreign entity who owns property in the US, when they pass away, any profit or gain will be taxed up to 40% that's very significant, up to 40%, which means your beneficiaries are basically getting 40% tax on something that they inherited. And secondly, now your beneficiaries, which you know could be your kids, your partners in a company, are now having to also go through a US probate uh, case. Those are two different things that honestly are so complicated and so um, encumbering and they take up so much time that you don't want if you if you are a uh, wealthy qualified investor who has properties all over the world, you don't want to leave your beneficiaries and partners with this burden. You just don't. Some people don't care. They say, "Ah, oh, when I'm dead, I don't care what happens." Okay, and good for them. I get it. But you are leaving your beneficiaries and your partners with with um, a lot on their plate. So this helps with FERPTA too. And one of the ways that um, this is avoided is that you 
create a domestic corporation, not an LLC, okay? And there's different types of corporations. There's um, S corps, C corps, depending on you know whether you want to go public or not. You want to you you know you want to invite a, you know like a crowdfunding or you want to be on the market eventually. That's a C corp, for example. But just know this: there's a difference between an LLC and a corporation. So what you do in order to avoid estate tax and FERPTA is to create a domestic company where you own the majority of the shares of that company. What's the difference? You are owning shares of a company. You are not owning the company, and you don't own the US property. Okay, So that is how most foreign people avoid both FERPTA and um, the estate tax. And what will happen is that the domestic company is usually a CPA or a lawyer, and they are the, the minority shareholders. You, your family, your beneficiaries are the majority shareholders, and therefore those shares pass to your beneficiaries, whoever you put in your operating agreement and in your you know, corporate resolutions when you're setting up your corp. Again, if you do it properly with a CPA, all of that is done very easily, and you avoid the estate tax, and you avoid the um, probate cases. I mean, imagine if you're in Mexico, Colombia, Europe, and your parents left properties all over the world, and now you're dealing with probate attorneys and estate planning attorneys you know, in, in Florida. It, it's very complicated, and, and um, it, it, it delays. It takes a lot of time. So does anyone have any questions about that specifically, and did I answer your question? OK. Um, you've seen probably sometimes where you look at the breakdown of shares in an operating agreement or in the Articles of Incorporation, and you'll see an, an office, a CPA's office as a minority shareholder. Well, know that when you look at that, it's for that reason, that they are owning the shares. So therefore, they still have authority to sign a listing agreement. They have authority to sell a property, buy a property. But to avoid these taxes, um, that is how they set it up. And that's a proper way to do it. That's a smart way to do it. Um, a lot of people don't know that. I'm going to take it a step further. And if anyone needs clarification, you know, I know I'm going fast and I'm speaking on such big subjects um, that it could be a little overwhelming. But when you're dealing with certain clients from certain countries, okay, the U.S. has certain tax treaties with certain countries. It's not a general uh, rule. Okay, so for example, you should also, not you, but you're a CPA, choose a CPA that knows this. In that person's country, for example, I have many Mexican clients, okay? Mexico City here, you know, there's a lot of business, there's a lot of uh, students, there's uh, a lot of families that go back and forth between here and Mexico City. Mexico, in that country, they have a presumption, there, it's called the presumptive tax, because you have an interest in a company that is owned by the BVIs, by the British Virgin Islands, they're just gonna tax you because it's a presumptive, they're presuming already that you are you know, withholding information from them. So in actuality, for me my Mexican clients, they have started to use Canadian uh, entities and companies because there's a treaty between Canada and Mexico. So it, it's, it's very important to guide your client to the correct CPA, especially when dealing with complex clients uh, like this, OK? I mean, look, we all want that easy client that um, is domestic, has uh, perfect W-2s, qualifies perfectly for the loans. We all want that, but we live in South Florida. And um, what I think is wonderful is we have so much potential here, but we have to deal with a lot of backgrounds, a lot of 
uh, cultural issues um, such as, you know, uh, uh, they want to be confidential, they want to be anonymous. Um, and actually here we're ground zero for a lot of fraud. Uh, everyone knows uh, years ago the Panama Papers scandal. Out of the Panama Papers came um, the, those, they're called um, like local administrative orders, where as a settlement agent, as a title agent, I am obligated to disclose the individual members of corporations who purchase property in cash. Okay, and it used to be a million, now they've taken it all the way down to, I mean, I don't even know the latest one, but they're basically saying, you know, we can't use corporations and LLCs anymore to disguise who these people are buying in cash, right? Because if you're buying property in cash, they assume, or we've assumed from past experiences that it's usually having to do with some sort of uh, unethical or illegal activity, okay? So also know that. So if you have a client that says, oh, I'm gonna buy in an LLC because I don't want my country to know who I am, it's very, it's just one more step. You just gotta go on Sunbiz or it's, you know, you just gotta see who the sole members are. Um, and, and that it's just one additional step, but you're gonna find out who, who the, the owners are. The best way is um, to do what Daniel asked about, which is they're called, um, shell, you know, you get a shell company and you partner up with a domestic corporation and you own shares in a corporation. Um, that is what I um, would recommend. And again, that's f coming from my side, which is the law contractual side, that is not the CPA side. A true qualified CPA knows exactly, you know, how to structure it, where to um, put the, the proceeds, where to put your accounts, et cetera. Um, I mean, has um, the gentleman, if, uh, his, Roy, um, Roy actually w could be able to shed a lot of light not only on the how to the estate tax, but FERPTA and how it relates to 1031 exchanges as well, um, because all of that is um, yeah. you know encompassing. This is the Time Is Now podcast, presented by IRG.